Hello, happy Wednesday evening. This is our health nugget. We're continuing with the curse causeless shall not come. Now I'm going to read the last two paragraphs where we left off to get us back on track. And I think I've made it easier for uh, moving through this document by making it small enough so the whole page shows on my laptop screen. I'm just going to have to use a magnifying glass. So, all right, where we kind of left off. Current non-AMA cancer research is still taking the medical approach that is looking for an artificial substitute for the failure of the pancreas to produce its natural enzymes. There's a natural enzyme that does, for reportedly 40% of the cancer patients, seem to substitute for the insufficient pancreatic enzyme and get the body to handle protein. See, this is kind of what irritates me, is that so many people have jumped on board this protein uh, thing that is just wrong. Too much protein is so bad. I think, you know, there is an agenda. I'm not going to go there. Okay, let's see. It is known as laetrile and has no harmful effects, even if taken in high doses. You can find laetrile in apricot pits, as you know. The only harmful effects of laetrile that can be found is a huge slice it would take out of the drug industry. So, laetrile is denied to the American people, and distribution of it can result in a jail term. Listen, the laetrile approach is still only a substitute product, right? And if the pancreas were truly inoperative, its use would be the only option left open to the cancer patient. But biological theory of ionization theory goes beyond the laetrile solution and is more lasting and effective. The patient does not need an expensive and currently outlawed cure. Where does the pancreas get its input? Why? From the liver enzymes. Suppose the liver produced only 40% of its normal output of enzymes, what would happen to the input of the pancreas? Right, 40% of normal. What would, okay, what would the pancreas then put out? About 40%. If this 40% was not enough to handle the protein, you could expect cancer to strike that person at his weakest point. Is there anything difficult about that? So yeah, the weakest point. We all have different points that are weaker. Our chemistries are all different. So somebody would go, well, why does this person get this cancer and that one get that one? It's so random. It's actually probably not all that random. So the liver puts out enzymes to every organ in the body. The function of the liver is pretty incredible. And it also gives the pancreas its enzymes. And then the pancreas produces insulin, alcohol, and enzymes. So look closely at this concept, for herein lies the key to cancer and almost every other incurable disease, the beginning of illness. All illness is the breakdown of the liver. Get it going again at 100% output, if possible. Once that happens, its enzymes are sent all over the body uh, through the process of ionization, which we're not studying right now, but... uh, And all kinds of troubles began to disappear as soon as the liver is functioning properly. Once that happens, there's suddenly enough anionic liver bile, or liver bile is is truly anionic in its um, nature, or alkaline, to handle the volume of cationic or acid foods that are eaten. Think of that. Who those of you who are trying to balance, you're, you're, you're having an alkaline diet. 
Your liver bile is truly anionic. It spins in the opposite direction of cationic things, and it would put out enough anionic bile to handle the volume of acid foods that are eaten. Just imagine a liver sending out 100% to the pancreas. What happens to that diabetic? He no longer needs his daily dose of insulin, does he? No, for his pancreas is now making enough to handle his sugar. And what about the cancer patient? Digestion of proteins is no longer a problem, and quickly or quietly, his cancer begins to be thrown out of his body. There's a word of caution in regard to this approach. If the liver gets turned on suddenly to 100% capacity, the pancreas might produce too much insulin. If that person's pancreas already made too much insulin, in other words, a low blood sugar diabetic hypoglycemia, this technique might force the sugar too low and the person would pass out. That's why Dr. Reams would not let me take my diet home with me. If I passed out, no one would know what happened to me. To use his methods, it's absolutely essential that you have a quick, easy, and very accurate method of monitoring the sugar level of the person with very low blood sugar diabetics and pregnant women. It may be necessary to check the sugar every hour for the first week. Can you imagine the pain and suffering that would be required using the standard medical blood test? The standard method of testing blood sugar by drawing a sample of blood is at best old-fashioned, and for our tests, it is nowhere near accurate enough. So here you can't, um, I can't show you a picture of this, but here is sort of a circadian rhythm of a blood sugar pattern in 24 hours. And um, the, the blood sugar pattern Man, it is up and down, up and down, all over the place. And you know why that is? Because every it changes every time you eat something or don't eat something. It, the blood changes, and it's temporary. It's uh, it's not steady. But when you check the sh the urine sugar using a Brick's meter, um, you can see that it's much more. It has sort of a circadian rhythm. Like there's a couple of sort of low places, a couple of sort of higher places, but it's easier to get a 24-hour average, and that's more more uh, accurate for the testing purposes. Um, so a Brix meter can be found in most uh, agriculture equipment places, and you can get them on eBay or even Amazon, I think, for decent prices. And you just put a few drops of urine on it and look through it. It's like a, a binoculars, kind of a one mono monocular. <laughs> anyway, and it will show you what the numbers are. And I'll, I'm not going to try to go into that right now, but just to say that there's a, a equipment available for people like you and me to use. The sudden drop in blood sugar is far more serious than many people realize. Not only does it cause blackouts, where the person becomes unconscious at the wheel of a car, a major cause of unexplained auto accidents, but convulsions in babies is usually low sugar because of our scientific means of quickly getting sugar level. It is now believed that most epileptics are not epileptics at all. They are just sudden low sugar diabetics. Okay. The level of sugar in the blood can change far too quickly during the day for us to get any test of value. If by chance the blood were drawn at 0.1, suddenly you, you have high sugar. But a little while later, if by chance the blood were drawn, the doctor will tell you you have low sugar. Later on, by chance, it could test normal. 
and then part 3.3 there on the the line later on by chance it would be rather normal any such test that depends upon chance is too unscientific for the work that we are doing because based on whether you're snacking or what you're snacking on whether it's acid or alkaline your blood sugar in your blood is just going to change drastically but as every doctor knows the sugar level in the urine is the average of the fluctuations of the blood sugar in any 24-hour period we use a standard scientific instrument that measures all sugars in the urine directly and takes just a few seconds. As a matter of fact, they use BRICS meters. Uh, you may already know this, but um, to check, say, grapes before they pick them to see if the sugar is ripe before they're harvested. Just a little juice on it will show what the sugar level is. The scale on our instruments indicate that normal sugar is 1.5 which is so different sounding than from blood sugar. Blood sugar, you would think you would want around 100 or something, but it's a different scale. Um, so 1.5 is normal. Sugar level is the first number in the Reams equation. Remember the equation that was written on the card? The first number is the sugar, the sugar level. And pH is the second number on that equation. That's the potential of hydrogen. And remember that was, let's say, urine over saliva. So the first thing was the sugar number, and this perfect would be 1.5. The next thing would be, let's say that your uh, urine pH was 6.5 and your saliva was 7 point whatever, then it would be the 6.5 over 7. That was the second part of the equation. A healthy body will pattern a very steady urine sugar level regardless of what is eaten because your urine is what reveals your diet. So while a blood test can fool the doctor, our urine sugar is, is, uh, our urine sugar is, is more accurate, more indicative of the health in general. Now that's science. That's the difference between a scientific analysis and a guess type diagnosis. And I'm sure that we all could be offended by that, saying, well, our medical system is quite accurate, but, but we realize that this really is not true. They're very problematic. And they do have a guest-type diagnosis. Um, what we're aiming for here is a pancreas revitalized so that no matter what the person eats, his sugar level will hold between 1.0 and 2.0. The best way we know of to rebuild the pancreas is with cationic green drink. That is, anything green, such as carrot tops, celery, green beans, any edible green leaf put through a juicer so that the vital juices are separated from the bulk of the plant. Make four ounces of this twice a day and drink it very slowly. You'll be amazed at the energy you soon feel. And I don't know if you knew this. I mean, it was sort of news to me um, when I heard it that uh, the strongest pain reliever there is is chlorophyll, fresh chlorophyll, like from this green juice that he just describes. Now let's look at diet again. If what you eat can change your body chemistry, you're sick. Stated another way, whenever your body chemistry is unstable, you are losing energy and are sick. Still another way, if you have to eat a lot of food just to have the energy you want, you're sick. So let's go into the biochemistry here. Our bodies are cationic. Our bodies are acid. All the foods we eat except fresh lemon are acid. Even frozen and reconstituted lemon sold in cans is acid or cationic. As these cationic foods enter the stomach, they meet the anionic liver bile. 
the electronic resistance between the anions and the cations create the energy. Now suppose the liver stopped working. No bile, no resistance, no energy. Suppose it only worked at 20%. 20% bile, 20% resistance, 20% energy. This is for illustration. And I'm not suggesting that there always exists this linear relationship. How do we know where we stand? There are two ways. Get... Oh, it says here you should only use distilled water as a um, base if you're making green drink in a blender, unless you have been instructed otherwise uh, to soothe off the cuff, a section for the sore. I don't understand the rest of that sentence. Anyway, but yeah, we only use distilled water if you're using your blender to make green drink. Because all the liquid that's in fruits and vegetables is basically distilled. We don't want to add, and most of our water these days is not perfect. Okay, so he's saying here there are two ways. Get an educated guess diagnosis or run a pH analysis or potential of hydrogen. Take your pick. What is the proper pH for maximum energy? 6.40 urine, 6.40 saliva, with a sugar level of 1.5 at the same time. So an ideal equation would read 1.5, 6.40 over 6.40. Are you beginning to see how these numbers relate to one another? What do you suppose would happen to the liver and to the ion resistance in the stomach if you were to drink anionic lemon juice, if the liver were sluggish, the anions of the lemon would help in the energy created from the cationic foods. But more important, it just so happens that anionic lemon juice mixed 4 ounces to 36 ounces of distilled water is the natural base for the 6 billion different kinds of liver enzymes needed for every organ and gland in the body. The liver and the lemon are sweethearts. They are natural lovers. Four ounces of the above solution of lemon and water taken every hour and four ounces of distilled water taken on the half hour is just the right combination and concentration to flush and rebuild the liver faster than any other known method. Now here's a warning. This must not be done by anyone unless it is done under supervision of a doctor trained in this biological theory of ionization this much lemon water could be fatal to anyone with either a high or a low blood sugar. Neither this author nor anyone else assumes responsibility for those who attempt this liver rebuilding technique on their own without proper supervision. About one person in a thousand has an allergy to the juices of the lemon. So that's one in a thousand, which, you know, the odds are in your favor that you'll be okay. Uh, but you could just start out by testing yourself by having a little juice of lemon in your water. Just squeeze a slice of lemon in your glass of water and see how you do. And that's just my own personal thought. Uh, so you have to use your own common sense here. And I believe I'm going to call it good for the day and and come back next week with the next section. Uh, it's been interesting, hasn't it, brother and sister? God bless you as you're learning how to take care of yourself in your own home where you don't have to be dependent on the doctor. We're going to learn many interesting things. God bless you the rest of this week, and take good care.